stay tuned for the Ecology Hour. Welcome to the Ecology Hour. We have kind of a different show for you tonight. I am Laura Fogg, and I'm here with three other local artists. Betty Lacey, Margot Frank, and Rosie Sachs-Morris are working with me to create a mixed-media art show and interactive environmental event for the month of June. It will be in the front windows of the Corner Gallery in Ukiah. The title of the show is Reclaimed, and it's planned to create a broader impact than an ordinary art show could possibly have. It will be an event designed to take a provocative look at the issues of plastic waste in our culture, climate change, and how each of us can be agents of transformation by doing small things that make a difference. All of the art on display is created from cast-off and reclaimed materials, addresses the topic of plastic pollution, or bulk. The reason we are doing this will be addressed in this Ecology Hour conversation. In a nutshell, we are all artists. We care deeply about the world we live in, and we all have things to say about both problems and solutions. We want to use our artistic voices to make things happen. And now, let me pass you to Margot, who will outline the structure of the next part of our show. Thanks, Laura. It's great to all be here together, and we're hoping that all the artists in Mendocino County are tuning in tonight to the Ecology Hour, and thank you if you are. So, um, the, we're going to spend about 10 or 15 minutes with each of us sharing a little bit about our own connection to the subject of the art show, Reclaimed, um, which Laura just explained. And we'll also talk about the um, effect that preparing for this show has had on each of us in our lives and how we're thinking about uh, plastics and waste in our own lives and homes. And then we'll reflect a bit on, their, on our changing relationships to plastic waste and health, our own health as the health of everyone in our community and art. And then we'll open the lines to callers and we hope you'll call in. The call in number is 707-895-2448. So we'll start off with Betty Lacey and I'll pass the baton to you, Betty. And let's, let's hear from you and what got you into all of this. Betty, you're muted. Thanks, Margo. I'm so happy to have all of us together again. Um, I'll just start with saying a little bit about myself. Um, I've been quilting. Uh, that is my my main form of art, although I am using a lot of mixed media with fabric. Uh, I've been doing that for about 30 years. Initially, I started using some patterns, and I soon opted to develop my own style and my own techniques. Um, after medical school, my brain was so fried and so full of facts that it could explode. So quilting really filled a creative void, offering me a place where I could use my hands, my heart, and leave my head to rest. Being traditionally a feminine craft, quilting stitch by stitch also served to connect me with my ancestors who were quilters. Concerned about social 
justice issues, I began to see quilting as a narrative for delving deeper into these issues as well as further processing my own thoughts and feelings. In recent years, I have combined my interest in brain science to create quilts that explore dementia, the other pandemic that we are not really talking too much about. This interest in our brain body health is what led me here today. That started with Laura and I contemplating the theme of this event and how we were both appalled by all the plastic we were using. Around this same time, I received a toxicology report showing high levels of several toxins, including styrene and mercury. Come to find out, exposure, uh, plastic exposure is linked to styrene and mercury levels. I was shocked by the report, and I've been exploring ways to reduce plastic waste and exposure in my life and in our community ever since. Along with addressing toxins in our environment and their effects on the health of our brains and bodies, I'm really hoping through this medium that we can spread more information about reducing plastic waste through more conversations and local action. Finally, coming from a science background who found art later in life, I cannot stress enough the importance of art in expanding our visions and generating conversations like this one today and over the past few months on KZYX and in our community. In my book, things don't get much better than when friends and community join together with intention to create change and use art in a variety of ways to convey those messages. Thanks, Betty. Um, how, why don't we hear from Rosie next? And Rosie, tell us a little bit about yourself and where you are and all of that. Yeah, hi. Thanks for having me. My name is Rosie Sachs-Morris. I'm a fiber artist. I primarily work with yarn. When yarn moves through my fingers, I am reminded of the spin of the planet as we rotate around the sun the moon as she rotates around the earth. I feel connected to the spiral of our DNA as I weave my stories and love into each piece. I create shapes, vessels, textures that evoke the feminine experience. I am a fiber hoarder and enjoy dyeing yarn and fabric to create my own palette trying to incorporate my own colors into each piece. My yarns and fabrics are rescued from old projects, secondhand stores, and weavers destashing. I feel very passionate about keeping textile waste out of landfills. Many of my materials stay in my collection for decades before I find their best and ultimate expression. In my current pieces, I'm using my mother's 1951 wedding dress, stripped and coiled. I gravitated to coiling basketry because I could do it anywhere and with any material. While I'm weaving, I like to think about all the people and all the places in so many cultures that are coiling and weaving and making 
just like me. I believe crafting and making art is our connection to our ancestors and our secret weapon to healing ourselves and the planet. Reclaiming the plastics, the textiles, the waste of our human experience, to me, is conscious, spiritual ecology. Spirituality is our romance with the universe, using what we've already got to get us where and what we need. I believe there is enough and the universe will provide. This is often my mantra as I weave. I meditate about that. I live in Bryceland, a tiny hamlet in Southern Humboldt with my husband, my teenage daughter, a dog and four cats. My husband and I own and operate a small winery, Bryceland Vineyards, and we work to raise our own food. I grew up in upstate New York and earned my BFA from Syracuse University in fiber arts. I have been showing art with Laura and Betty since 2017. And back to you, Marco. Thanks, Rosie. I love when you mentioned your ancestors because I was thinking how I feel like uh, I come from a long line of women artists and my mother and aunts were also um, community activists. So it feels like it's in my blood to merge those two, uh, those two uh, important yeah, ways of being in the world. Yeah, the creativity and the activism. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I love that you're a fiber artist and do coiling baskets because that's, um, was really where I got started with art was doing fiber arts and basketry. Um, even got to study a bit with Elsie Allen and realized that the incredible patience and skill that it took to be a pomo basket maker, which was way beyond me. Yes. Um, and it wasn't my, my tradition either. Um, but for me, um, and, and then I moved into doing, uh, I was part of the Mendodata movement here in the 80s, and uh, then did a lot of mixed media, and moved into encaustic and painting uh, for maybe the last 10 years or so. Um, and for this show, I'm really returning to my mixed media roots, which has been a lot of fun. I think for me, all art making is therapy and um, it really helps me to deal with my anxiety, um, the sense of urgency that I feel about the climate crisis and the work that I do with Elders Climate Action and Climate Action Mendocino. So, um, and when I first got involved with Elders Climate Action, I uh, saw, you know, what I could bring to it because I wasn't a scientist was my uh, my desire and perhaps some skill in inspiring others to take action, not just on the individual level, but more in addressing systemic uh, changes that have to happen if we're really going to turn this around. And um, I love that this show is really focused on how, as artists, we can inspire others 
So um, this is a way to bring my art and my climate action work together. One of the things that I've been thinking about a lot the past few years as I've been painting primarily is the uh, ways that buying art materials and using them pollutes the world. Creates a lot of toxic waste. Um, you know, the manufacturing that goes into creating all the materials that I purchase. And so I've really been struggling with how to um, not disown myself completely from painting, which I love, but also to bring it more into alignment with what's most important to me in preserving this precious planet for our for my grandchildren and all children and future generations. So, um, oh, and one of the things that I did a couple of years ago, um, Laura and I have kids who are married to each other and they love Halloween and they do a big Halloween party every year. And a few years ago, I was trying to figure out what costume I would make for that party. And I thought, well, what's the biggest monster that we're dealing with right now? What's the scariest monster? And I thought it's climate change. So I made a climate change costume, which I will wear to first Friday for the opening of our show. And I wore it to that party and it was really interesting because there were some middle school kids there who came over to me and they're like, what are you? And I said, well, what do you think I am? And they said, are you climate change? And I said, yes, I am. And then they started talking about how in various classes that they were in at Palmolita, they were learning about climate change in lots of different ways. And so I saw that was a great um, moment for me of seeing how art can uh, be a catalyst to start those conversations with other people. Um, the last thing I just wanted to mention was that one of my aunts wrote a book in with her best friend in 1975 called The Newspaper Everything Book. And it was how you can make everything out of newspapers, chess sets, curtains, slippers, <laughs> furniture. And, you know, plastic wasn't quite as ubiquitous then as it is now, but there were tons of newspapers that had piled up in her husband's study, and she had to do something to get with all of them, so she started making things. And so that she's a great inspiration for me in how to bring, uh, how to use what would end up in the trash bin or recycling bin and to use it for something uh, creative. Let me pass it on to you, Laura. I've said plenty here. All right. Well, thank you, Margo. Well, unlike some of you, I'm an anomaly in my family. I do not come from a long line of artists or quilters and grew up liking art for unknown reasons. And um, I did well in art classes. It was always my, my favorite part of the school day. And I always loved fabric. I sewed everything when the kids were, I had three kids, Grew up, they all grew up here in Mendocino County. And I even, I, I sewed everything for them, even underwear. I think it was something for me to do while I was going crazy, raising all these kids. And it wasn't until I, the kids finally grew up and I moved into Ukiah after being in Redwood Valley for almost 30 years that I discovered art quilting. Um, I just 
did the big dive into that one because I had kind of dabbled in every medium known to humanity and nothing ever, ever really clicked until I got to the quilting. And that combined this wonderful texture of fabric with the ability to tell stories. And by art quilting, I don't mean patchwork, but I mean using raw edge collage freehand cut pieces to create a collage that could create an image. And I started out doing landscapes because I was an itinerant teacher in Mendocino County. So the entire county was my territory. And I would snap photos through the windshield of the county car of these wonderful, beautiful scenes. And an awful lot of that stuff sold, um, made it into, into shows. I got prizes and ribbons and ended up becoming a teacher of art quilting all over the west coast of this country. And that was wonderful. I was really happy with it. But I ended up, I had an experience in Anderson Valley about um, 20 years ago now. There was a group of migrant women who were taking classes on behavior management for their children with one, one of my friends was the teacher. And she realized these women were completely uninterested in the class and they needed something to do with their hands. So she started teaching them to do this kind of art quilting. And I could speak Spanish and I could do the art quilting. So I ended up doing some of the teaching. And these women ended up creating the most evocative quilts. They were all people who were, most of them were illegal immigrants to this country. And what was heavy on their hearts was the story of loss and tragedy that they experienced. You know, coming to this country, the people who died on the way, the people who they had to leave behind in Mexico, never, you know, never to see again. Um, their stories were really, really gripping. And it, it really made an impression on me that, yes, I can use my art as a message. And to get this stuff into shows would be, it would increase my ability to speak. It would, you know, I, I would have a much bigger voice than I ever would just talking to people in Ukiah. And 2016 was another major, major time for me after the election of that president and the ensuing women's march and what I saw as the denial of basic human rights and the threat to the environment. I realized, you know, there is so much stuff whirling around in my head that I just need to start putting this stuff, stuff down in some kind of an image form. And I began to um, get these things into shows. There's an organization called the Studio Art Quilters Association, and they do some pretty provocative shows worldwide. And they have they encourage people to, you know, to make statements about the environment and about what's, you know, our culture. And I've been juried into quite a number of those shows by now and the shows last for three years and they go all over the country and sometimes all over the world so it's been a, a huge big transit transition for me to you know um, more or less quit doing pretty pictures and do stuff that you know that really has the message 
And the biggest deal, I've got to, bra <laughs> got to brag about this one, the biggest deal that ever happened is I made a piece that depicted the, the first women's march, you know, right after um, Trump got elected. And I went to the march in Ukiah with my daughter and granddaughter. And of course, Margo was there with her daughter, my daughter-in-law and grandkids and everybody else. And I depicted myself and my daughter and her daughter wearing our um, pink pussy hats. And I put us in this quilt in front of the courthouse with a whole bunch of people walking around carrying signs. And that piece ended up getting purchased by the Sierra Club to put in their national headquarters because they really, really, really liked the social message of you know equality and a voice for women. So I was, that's my voice. And I know that there's power in that. So I'm feeling like, you know, I've done a lot of these social justice pieces, and I'm really, with this new show of ours at the Corner Gallery in Ukiah in June, I'm really getting more focused on, you know, the environment. So anyway, that's um, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. So onward here. <laughs> I feel so inspired listening to you, Laura, and to all of you, to Betty and Rosie also. Um, I want to remind uh, listeners that, we're ready to take calls and that the call-in number is 707-895-2448. 895-2448. We'd love to hear from you. Um, while we're waiting for the phone lines to light up, <laughs> um, maybe we can talk a little bit more. You know, I was... It occurred to me that um, maybe some of you want to talk a little bit about some of the pieces that you're going to have in the Reclaimed show, just to give people a little teaser and get them to want to come in and see those pieces in person. Would one of you like to, oh. Laura, you want to go for it? Sure, I'll happily start here. So the subject matter, um, or the it, it became you know, what's happening to our planet in global warming. And I've always thought plastic is going to be the ruin of us all. So I get this bright idea that I can make art quilts instead of using fabric. I can use plastic. So I started cutting up plastic bags out of my own recycling. And the recycling that, well, recycling is ridiculous. It's just my own trash. And the trash, you know, generated by friends and family. And I've got one that addresses the kelp forest, you know, the decimation of the kelp forest of global warming. And that's, you know, just how that whole chain of events is happening. And kelp is actually one of the things that sequesters more carbon than anything else in the ocean. And we're losing it. So I just had to make this kelp forest out of plastic. And another one is called Catch of the Day. And it's all made out of plastic, and it's a bunch of plastic fish all on lines. And in amongst the fish on their lines is a plastic bottle. So um, uh, those two, I'm starting with those. How about the rest of you? Betty, you're going to town with plastic. <laughs> yeah, I'm taking your, following your lead, Laura. <laughs> and one of the things, um, Laura and I are in a quilt group together, so uh, we can always ask for advice and support and lots in this case of plastic that has been brought to our homes and our porches and huge bags um we're recycling for our entire uh group and and outside of the group so i've been working on a uh um just finished the 
uh, a plastic mandala. It's about three feet by three feet, if you can imagine that. And everybody donated me, uh, gave to me lids. And so I've put those in place and then also quilted, uh, which actually plastic is very malleable and really fits under the machine and quilts very easily. So I've been quilting the background and then um, uh, putting on the the lids in a in a mandala kind of uh, shape. So that's called plastic mandala. And then I've also taken traditional, um, like the nine patch in quilt in uh, in the quilt world, and creating um, plastic braids. So I'm taking those strips that Laura referred to and I'm braiding them. So and then putting them into spirals and other kinds of shapes um, and creating more of like a nine traditional nine patch quilt. So, and it's on those plastic white envelopes that everybody's been getting from, you know, where, wherever or Amazon, et cetera. So that's been super fun. What about you, Rosie? Yeah, well, I had the advantage of uh, a small business and the industrial waste of a winery to, pick and choose from which was kind of interesting because i could look at this stuff as uh what could i do with it could i weave with this could i spin something with this and so it's not uh you know literal or or, uh figurative weaving it was very experimental but i did find product in our winery waste (laughs) that i thought was interesting including uh, what we call flat twine, which is really saran wrap. <laughs> and I, you know, spliced it and spun it in different widths, at, uh, experimented, thick, thin bulbs. <laughs> it was very, it was really fun. And um, I also found netting that covers, a, It's we call it oak on a rope. It's a product that um, where you can use a barrel longer over and over for winemaking by dipping fresh oak sticks into the barrel. Well, these fre- these oak sticks come in a netted food grade plastic product with small metal rings. So I took out the sticks and used the netting and it I thought it was quite beautiful <laughs> and it was uh, a little hard on my fingers, but um, I thought it was delicate and kind of reminded me of lace. So you can appreciate materials that I would not usually be attracted to became beautiful to me. Um, um, another piece that I am bringing to the show is a uh, piece that I put together with a bunch of what I call the waste of a child. All the little toys, all the things that they pick up at birthday parties and Halloween, and and it just becomes the rubble of life of a, a toddler. And I had collected all these things from my daughter and was reluctant to throw them out because I didn't want them to turn into the landfill so i glued them all to a chair a little chair and um it it's intriguing and it's fun and it's colorful and none of that is going to the landfill quite yet (laughs) 
Well, Rex, I think, yeah, I'd love hearing what's going to be in the show, and I can't wait to see everything. I I only have a few pieces in the show, and um, last fall we downsized our where we were living, and I lost my space for now that I had as a painting studio. So I'm working very small, um, and at the beginning of COVID, I started a year of COVID journal, and I sometimes late at night and I couldn't sleep, I would get up and I would just pull out materials and um, do some mixed media pieces in there, including part of the downsizing involved going through and discarding most of the pages of 50 years worth of journals, which, you know, my whole life. And, and I saved certain pages um, and some of them had drawings on them or some of them had writing on them. And I, so I've included little pieces from those uh, journals in uh, these mixed media pieces that are going to be in the show. And, um, and also just momentous things, you know, things that would have been going to the trash bin that instead got, have gotten incorporated into three pieces that are hanging, small pieces that are hanging, mounted on, uh, cardboard from a, a box of art supplies I ordered, <laughs> um, and um, an old uh, yardstick that I'd gotten at a yard sale years ago from the NAVA, Home Nation Environmental Protection Agency. And, and then I love making, back in Mendo Dada days, I really got into mail art, and I love making postcards and sending them to people. So I've been making a lot of postcard size uh, mixed media pieces that will be very affordable um, for people who just want little art, either to send to someone or just to mount on something and hang up at home for themselves. I want to remind callers that we welcome your phone calls and our call-in number here on the Ecology Hour on KZYX and Z is 707-895-2444. Two four four eight, and we look forward to talking with people out there in the community. So we're not just talking to ourselves tonight. <laughs> Laura, you know, I was wondering. It just seems like every one of you who's talking has come up with this plethora of of plastic stuff in your lifetime, in your household, in your place. That I mean, from my own experience. I, doing this art out of plastic, I have become so much more conscious of how much unrecyclable garbage I use, even though I try really, really, really hard to live somewhat lightly on the planet. And even with all my conscious efforts, every time I order something that comes in plastic, if I go to the you know the building supply store because I need a bunch of screws, they come in this you know clamshell inside a shrink wrap, and no matter what it is, I'm just it. I, especially during COVID, you know, you go to the grocery store and you have to use their bags, or I'm trying to support the local economy, so I'm paying for takeout food, and it comes in primarily unrecyclable stuff. So. I'm I'm just kind of living in a state of shock. <laughs> I mean, usually art is therapy, 
But I think some of that's happening, but I'm also feeling like I'm in just this this state of perpetual shock. I don't know about the rest of you. And what do we do about this? Betty? Well, you know, I, I, I really am hearkening back also to Marco's conversation with Steve Swiback um, and the information that you supplied. I mean, part of this whole art show for me has been with Reclaimed is learning and educating myself. Um, so I was shocked by my talk screen and shocked by my plastic usage. However, I feel like now I'm really starting to get a greater understanding of things. Um, and also with John Azaro's report back from the Pacific Gyre, those programs were just really, to me, informative. And in the meantime, for me, I've been looking at products and trying products out that have non-packaging uh, or non-plastic packaging. And so we're actually in communication with the co-op and other people to look at the possibility of creating some displays in June. And it looks like that's going to happen, not only at the art show itself, but also at the co-op. So we can start to really provide to all of you listeners and everyone else in our community um, products that aren't packaged with plastic. Because if you look at pretty much anything in any of the grocery stores, you're going to find everything, you know, from shampoo to dish soap to um, dishwashing liquid, all of those things. And all of those things can now be purchased with cardboard and with um, usable, sustainable um, materials. So we can really make a dent in this. And that's providing me with a lot of hope. Yeah. Rosie, is there anything you want to add to that? Well, yes, I, I feel like, you know, every decision you make toward using less plastic anywhere in your life is a stroke, like a stitch, like a, like a mark toward what we're talking about and what needs to be done. And every stitch matters on the quilt <laughs> or the basket. And every act of uh, any step you can take. You know, I, I think of our own lifestyle here, you know, on and our own business. And our wine bottles stand on a shelf without a cap. There's no plastic. There's no plastic label. We're regularly solicited to change your equipment, use a plastic label. Look, you can put metallic on it. And our label is paper and put on with Elmer's glue. And, of course, the bottle is recyclable. Um, so it's the little decisions I feel like we've made in our business and you make in your life that are uh, continue to march toward our, this goal. And I, I feel like it's the same way in creating art. It's you take a step, you have an idea, you take a stitch, you make a mark. Um, um, in that way, it kind of keeps me grounded and keeps me sane. It's good to use a bamboo toothbrush. Yay! <laughs> you know, it does it. Is it gonna, is it world shaking? No, it's not. But it makes me feel good, and I think I'm doing something to keep another plastic toothbrush out. <laughs> 
of circulation and the landfill. And I can still use it for cleaning afterwards and maybe painting or texturizing something when I'm working in the, in the studio, on and on. Yeah, I've I've noticed That's in preparing for yeah yeah preparing for this show how I my awareness and attention to everything I put in the trash bin and you know we don't accumulate a lot of trash and the stuff that goes into the the trash bin but still um, I also you know recently read that of all the plastics ever made only nine percent of them have ever been recycled. This is globally. So, you know, and I love, Rosie, that your wine doesn't have to have the plastic cap around the top because, I, you know, you buy, even if you manage to buy something in a glass jar, it's probably got a plastic top on it. Um, if you buy, it's not just, you know, the products that you might use that bottle for a couple of months to get till it's empty. Uh, it's not a single-use plastic bottle, but you buy crackers, you buy frozen uh, vegetables or um, uh, pizza crust or prepared foods or anything. Pretty much anything that you purchase has plastic. And Even stuff that's good for you. It's still absolutely all the stuff yeah. that's good for you is yeah. packaged in plastic, yeah. and so it's it's everywhere. And you know, I it's good for. I, I appreciate that each of us is doing what we can to cut our plastic use and to reuse in whatever ways we can. And I know that it's going to take something way beyond that for this to change and it's really up to the manufacturing and packaging industries to change and and hopefully as fossil fuel extraction declines uh, there won't be the raw materials for those petrochemical plants in the same way and maybe they will change how they're packaging you know I, I recently bought a, a new cover for my iPhone that uh, my daughter told me about that's made out of recyclable materials and it's compostable and even it says in your home compost bin and um, it came not in a plastic container, not in a plastic, no plastic packaging, just in card, plain cardboard packaging. So there are some places that are doing that, but they're few and far between. I want to just remind people if you want to call in and engage with us in conversation on the Ecology Hour, call 707-895-2448. I'm wondering whether um, any of you, some of you spoke to this a little bit already, but um, sometime when either you've, um, some art that you've created really resulted and you could, you heard back from people or saw that it, it uh, was a catalyst for change for someone who experienced what you'd made or where you've engaged with some piece of art or maybe it was a performance um, and that inspired you to take some kind of action. Oh, we have a caller. Okay. Good evening. Welcome to the Ecology Hour. Who's calling? Hi, this is Anonymous. Hi, Anonymous. <laughs> Hello. Um, so I, I wanted to... What would you like to say? I'm sorry, what was that? Go ahead. 
Okay, so um, I am wanting to comment on um, uh, leftover construction project pieces of things. That, oh, um, I'd love to so hear much, what you have to say. There's so much wastage um, in, 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 in construction. It's amazing. Um, I mean, it was amazing to me to, to see how much wastage there is. And, and um, it, it, it's very inspiring to commit to those pieces of various materials um, to create a piece of art, which I've been doing, and um, and they're quite satisfying and, and quite beautiful. And um, so I just wanted to say beauty can come from so many different materials that would normally just be tossed into a dumpster and carted away to a landfill and, you know, finding their way everywhere that they go after that um, into our environment. So it's, it's, it is gratifying and beautiful to, to um, take those on as materials. Yeah, Laura. I have a response for that one. If we ever find out who you are, Anonymous, We'll invite you to participate in our next show. It would be well, wonderful. I'd, I'd be happy to participate in your next show. So you me. know where to find us. Come to the corner gallery. Um, the opening of this reclaimed show is on first Friday, June 4th, from 5 to 8 p.m., and then the gallery is open. Regular hours now. We're back to more or less normal after covid we're, we don't have any food or wine for First Friday, but we're open on Tuesdays through Saturday, 11 to 5, so somebody is there and you can leave us your name. I also wanted to comment about something that you, like you're talking about this absolutely insurmountable problem of the waste left over from construction. And there, you know, how can we little people do anything about that. The problem just seems to be so enormous, it's beyond our scope. And one of the things we're addressing in this show of ours, and this harkens back to what Margot and Steve Swiebeck were discussing during their um, the first of these three Ecology Hour presentations. Um, Steve had mentioned during that discussion with Margot that the most important work is what we as individuals can do at the local level. You know, it's the small steps by the small people. And we're actually going to have an interactive display at the gallery as part of our show where people can write little suggestions on three by five cards and tie them up to a, we're going to have a big fishing net hanging in a corner. And we will use recycled ribbons or strings or shreds of plastic or whatever to tie these suggestions to the net. So what something simple, what can I do as a little ordinary human being in Ukiah, California, to make even the smallest change? And if you start to think about something like, you know, just plastic bags, if every person on the planet used a plastic, reused a plastic bag just one time, that would mean half as many plastic bags would go into the landfill. They, they wouldn't have to produce so many. So you, you know, when you think about it that way, you start to realize that little people 
do have big power. Just it's like voting. You know, one vote, you think, oh man, you know, that doesn't count. What in the world am I doing this for? But then you realize once in a while, at least at the local level, an election is won or lost by one or two or three votes. And my vote plus your vote plus a million other people, you know, puts somebody in power at the national level or doesn't put them in power if we don't have enough sense to get out there and cast our votes. So I'm feeling like this is a really important part of our um, presentation here is to encourage people just to make a little commitment and put it up on the fishing net for other people to see and possibly be inspired by. You know, Laura, um, hearing you talk and hearing that our anonymous caller describing um, all that waste, I was thinking about a conversation we recently had about how there used to be a program in Ukiah where all that kind of refuse could go and artists and teachers could come and get that stuff. There used to be a big program called Scrap in the Bay Area like that that closed down. And wouldn't it be great if the community came together with the Arts Council and could create something like that again? And, um, you know, teachers and camp counselors and artists and anybody who just is looking for something and doesn't want to go out and spend the money on it could come and look for it there. And um, it would be great to have that here as a resource again. And that's such a great idea because so often art is created, like what you were saying, Margo, when you were working with Encaustic. You know, art can be created out of really toxic materials. Or if you're using, if you're weaving or, or fabric, I mean, for Betty and me, textile, the textile industry is, I believe it is the, one of the most polluting industries on the entire yeah. planet. And that was just a real shocker to find that out. But if we recycle stuff, it's just, you know, use it twice, and the same thing as it is with the plastic bags. If everybody could use even, you know, this little thing, use it twice before it gets thrown away, then the whole world only needs half as much of it. So it does yeah. end up, yeah. When those plastic bags are all free, they become throwaway, you know. And, and you know, if they cost money and you don't have very much money, you're not going to throw that bag away. You're going to, you know, our, my parents' generation, I probably are yours too. You know, they, they re, they reused everything as long as they could. And I remember saying to my dad, why are you washing the aluminum foil? Like, then you've got more on the roll. Well, now I do that. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Do, um, I want to remind people if you want to call in anonymously or not, you can call 707. 895-2448. And um, I'm wondering um, if any of you have any suggestions for other artists who want to make art as a way to inspire action around a particular issue or concern. Betty, take it. Yeah, I was thinking about this question because I was thinking what has inspired me to keep going in my art and to keep exploring new medias and new ways of um, uh, creating art. And the things that I came up with on that is that um, form a group, <laughs> find a group 
I mean, one of the things, Laura and I have been in a group for at least 25 years, Laura, or more, that um, oh, yeah. that has been so helpful in um, stretching us and also supporting our arts so that art has become more kind of what Rosie was talking about, more like a practice, like a spiritual practice that's calming to us and where we connect with others. So the connection with others, you know, is just so, so important. And it just helps keep your your art fresh and alive when you're having other people look at it and comment and give information to you. Um, and, you know, studying art, learning about design principles and critiquing and all of that is just so, so, so helpful. Um, I know one of the, a lot of people have asked us early on, our group, which only has a, about uh, 12 people in it, to how could they join? And we didn't have enough room and couldn't feed all those people. So we actually helped mentor another quilt group in town. Um, and that's been really helpful too. So, and they're, they're surging and doing very well. Yeah. Great, Betty, we've got another caller. Awesome. Huh. Hello, welcome to the Ecology Hour. Hi, hi, hi. No, I'm really hi. enjoying the show. Um, something that uh, I, I don't know whether it was you who was on the air, obviously at the, the station, or one of the other callers that was speaking about our parents' generation and how things were were uh, made to... People had more concern about you know saving the string and making things last, and and also because uh, things are probably made more durably in the old days and not out of cheap, flimsy plastic. And I recall my 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 own parents. Uh, they were uh, born in the 1920s and grew up during the Depression in the 30s, and then had to serve during the wartime. And um, the thing they always told me growing up in the 50s <laughs> was use it up, wear it out, make it do or do without. <laughs> and right that, was, that was an old... That's that a great a slogan. slogan. You know, at the time. Yeah. Um, and, well, and I think we can take some of these, these things and turn them into art. If they're can you repeat that the slogan one more time? I want to write that down. Yeah. Oh, that my old man would say, use it up. Uh, let's see. How was it? Use it up. Uh, wear it out. Wear it out. Make it do or do without. And it was like a, <laughs> you know, warning to people. Don't, don't frivolously, you know, waste our resources, especially during the Depression and during wartime, they they had only a certain finite amount. There was not you know endless amounts of styrofoam or or, or you know plastic wrap uh, that now we're used to and we're we're buried we're buried in. You know we're actually yeah. being buried in that. And and um, but but was it you or someone else who said they were in the Dada movement in that was, that was me, Margo. None of us are actually Margo, in the studio okay. except the engineers but, uh, there. We're all on Zoom. I, I might know you. Uh, my name is Winston, and we oh, uh, Winston uh, Smith? I was involved in the. Yeah, I was involved in the. Oh, hi, uh, Winston. Yeah. I used to be married to Steve Caravella, so I was Princess Kapotkin in those days. <laughs> 
Thanks for listening and calling in, Winston. We're gonna, can we quote you on that saying from your dad? Oh, uh, what's that? Oh, oh yes. Can I quote you on that saying from your dad? Yeah, can we sure. credit you with it? He was just repeating what was probably put in newsreels, you know, in the old days. Ah. They, would, <laughs> yeah. they they'd tell people, you know, save string or turn in your turn in your metal toys or your metal uh, your your old tools for they could turn it into battleships. At a certain right. point, it, 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 they had too much. The, the U.S. government had too much people. Attorney, the propaganda um, campaign was very effective, and people wouldn't throw away anything metal because they turned it in. But it took more power to melt down the metal to turn it into battleships than they had available to to do. It was simply they kept it up because it was uh, you know they wanted to make sure everyone was like personally psychically aware of the war effort, and you know don't throw anything away and don't give up and all that. So it was, um, part of it was a psychological, um, you know, psycho warfare campaign, but right. part of it was the real reality is like all this crap is like, like hanging around, especially yeah. you know, scrap metal. It all has hey, value. Thank you, Winston. We're, we are inspired by you and we're, we've, don't have much time left. We're going to well, see you. if we have any more callers. But we hope you'll come if you're around in Ukiah on June 4th. Come to the opening of the Reclaimed Show at the Corner June, Gallery. June 4th. And, June 4th in Ukiah. Yes, yeah. in Ukiah. Corner of Church and okay. State. And I personally okay. I'm, I'm going to write that. I personally am going to write that quote on a 3 by 5 index card and tie it with recycled string yeah. to our fishing net. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think. Thanks I think, so uh, much, Winston. My folks are going to have a tattoo on my butt, you know, just so I would remember <laughs> not to waste anything. Okay. <laughs> well, thanks for calling in. Bye bye. Okay, Laura. Do we have anything else? Uh, we've got about five minutes left, I think. Well, on our I, show. Yeah, I just think you know this whole thing has just been so much. It's. it's I mean, I didn't. We didn't have this scripted. And I'm finding myself really inspired all over again, just talking with the other three of you about the power of art and how art can be used to galvanize people to action. You know, it's just, it's so powerful. And I'm really looking forward to the show. (coughs) Excuse me. And I'm looking forward to, I mean, to really looking carefully at what each one of you has made. I've seen Betty's pieces. I've seen Margo's online and Rosie's online, but I think the whole picture is just going to be so exciting. And then, you know, I've got a couple of pieces that aren't even finished yet that are going to be in the show. (laughs) I also want to mention that right now in the window of uh, an empty storefront in the conference center in downtown on School Street in Ukiah. I don't know if it's still up, but it was, uh, it had been up, yet still up. There's um, a group of local artists who are assemblage artists who have their work displayed there. And all of that is is reusing and recycling materials also. And that's a really inspiring exhibit also. Go see that one fast because it's coming down by the end of May. Yeah. 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 Rosie, any last words you have to share? Or not? <laughs> uh, no, um, I, 
I will return to the idea of, you know, art that I've seen that moved me and uh, I was fortunate to visit Cuba and the whole time it felt like I was in a art experience just Mm -hmm. being in another country. But in a museum, there was an exhibit uh, that had two things side by side in two rooms. In one large space were maybe a, a collection of maybe 75 chairs, each and every one of them completely different, different, you know, old, new plastic, wood, metal, woven, cushy, all arranged in a circle. And it was like a chair conference. It was so accepting. Every chair was had a place at that circle. And they looked perfect together. And the next mm-hmm. space over was an exhibit of lo- a large heaping pile of clothing. 15 feet tall, 20 feet round. It changed my view of what goes into our waste and our landfills and changed my way I looked at fiber and fabric and my clothing choices. But those two exhibits together, how could we all come together as a conference to handle our waste? That's so What a great story. Thanks. I think we're about out of time tonight. And any final word, Betty or Laura, anything else? I think I'll just turn it over to Laura just to recap and yeah, Laura, close it down. Okay, well, I think we've probably said it all. So anything else I say is going to be repetitive. But I think, you know, just like everything and everything else in life, the sum total of the parts here is going to be pretty exciting for all of us, and I think for the you know for the community too. And the gallery is so happy to be back in business after you know, the COVID restrictions, we, we are, we made it through, we have a new literally lease on life, we just signed a lease with the landowner for another year. So we want that gallery wants to become a place where people in Ukiah can come to, you know, have a forum, you know, to interact with each other and to meet each other and discuss things and think about things and dang, hug each other. So you know, it's been too, you know, it's just been too long since we've been able to get together. So, um, and we have a brand new sidewalk in front of the gallery. The street renovation project is moving right along here. So um, it's going to be a very, very, very fun evening. So um, we will welcome everybody who comes. We hope to see you. We hope you will come, stay a while, um, think about it, take something home. Um, do something in your life just a little bit different than you ever did before and share it with your friends. Great. Thanks to everybody for this was fun to be together well, talking about art and action together. And we appreciate all of you who listened in tonight and hope that you'll notice what you're putting in your trash bin and your recycling bin after this show. Uh, thanks for joining the Ecology Hour. Bye. Okay. Bye. This has been a production of KZYX Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM, Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. You can check out our website at kzyx.org to find more content like this, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thanks for listening.